Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Today, our episode is brought to you by TechSite Builder. TechSite Builder is a hosted website builder that allows you to quickly and easily get a clean and professional website up and running for your computer or tech-focused business. Save time and frustration with TechSite Builder. To learn more, head on over to TechSiteBuilder.com. It's also brought to you by the DC Unconvention 2017, the second annual conference for IT business owners, where you can learn from fellow techs and business owners, get strategies that work in the real world, and discover new tech. Learn more at unconvention.io. On this episode, we have Richard Tubb, author of the book, The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide, and he's going to talk about how you can leverage outsourcing to grow your business. How can delegating tasks in your business help with marketing, and what are the best things to outsource? Plus, we talk about the importance of your website speed, how to leverage chatbots in your marketing, and Paco says his final farewell. All that and so much more coming up right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Computer Business Marketing Show. If you own or work in an IT services business, this is the place to learn how to get more clients, keep them happy, and grow your revenue. You can watch, download, and or subscribe to show the show notes at computerbusinessmarketing.com. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just be sure to like the TechSite Builder page and then click on the following tab and select See First so that the live stream will jump to the top of your Facebook feed. All right, guys, today the topic is all about outsourcing and delegating your uh, computer business marketing and other parts of your computer business. So we're going to talk about outsourcing and delegating and hiring and how it can help you with your marketing efforts for your computer business, whether that's freeing up yourself to do the marketing or whether you're outsourcing the different marketing tasks. We'll talk about how to, um, you know, best practices around that and how to avoid some of the mistakes that you might run into when you're doing that. Uh, and our guest today to help us uh, navigate through all of that is Richard Tubb. Um, and we'll get to know Richard a little bit later when we jump into the feature topic. But before we do that, um, wanted to just remind folks that this is, uh, unfortunately, this is Paco's last episode with the Computer Business Marketing Show. Uh, we are going to miss him. Uh, so hopefully you guys uh, get a lot out of this. Um, he, you know, let us know last episode that this episode was going to be his last one. Um, so before you go, uh, why don't you let us know what's been happening in your business? So it's funny because I feel like I should pull one of those. Uh, if anyone have seen the movie Wolf of Wall Street, I don't know, Matt, if you've seen it yet. Um, you have not? Oh, no, okay, so I know. It's on my list. I want so, to, but I haven't. So for those that watch it, you'll get the reference. But I feel like going in the front of the uh, mic and just basically start screaming obscenities to say, I'm not leaving. But that's not the case this time. <laughs> and you, at least YouTube the scene. Just YouTube the scene. I'm not leaving. Wolf of Wall Street, you'll get what I'm okay. talking about. But um, that would have been pretty hilarious if I did that. But no, unfortunately, this is actually my, uh, this will be my last show. Um, and I'll kind of go into the whole uh, details later on at the end um, as we sign out. But kind of what's happening right now, uh, things are just getting bananas. Um, we, 
whether in, in the business, outside of the business, things like that. Um, I just was reelected as the vice chair of the uh, Hispanic Alliance Career Enhancements Young Professionals Board. So that Congrats. was pretty, thank you. Um, so that was pretty exciting. Um, my board, we had uh, some new members join on as well. Uh, again, it's great to network and really bring the IT perspective to the board. And just they have a lot of faith on me at least helping lead and helping our chair um, you know, focus on the mission of the nonprofit. So it's pretty exciting. Um, with the business, it's been really hard to get to work on my business versus in it. Um, we've had, a, I've had a lot of upsells. Um, I've been consolidating on some of the protection plans where that's kind of some of the working on the business that I haven't gotten to too much that I'd like to. Um, our RMM system, Ninja, where had just had a release yesterday. They released two big features that is going to help me consolidate costs and other systems. Um, they released third-party patching, which I was using uh, Nine Night Four, so that's going to help me go with that and some other integrations. So I got a lot of work ahead of me for that part. Um, I've had a lot of great new clients that have come in a lot, a little bit further in distance to travel. So. That's causing me to not be in front of a screen and a keyboard. So that's been taking a hindering um, for me, although I'm getting paid for it. It's one of those where I'd like to have a little bit more time to start working on the business. Uh, one of the things marketing wise that I've been looking into and we kind of led into this last week was researching bots. Now, when anybody hears bots, they they think of an automated, not so fluent way in Facebook messaging. But what I've come to find out is Facebook messaging or Facebook messenger, whether it be the contact page on Facebook, it's really just not only Facebook messaging. Um, the live chat that we use, we use talk to T-A-W-K.T-O. They actually have a form of bots you can set up, which is in the form of triggers. And the biggest piece of researching it is understanding what your core skills, services you're going to offer. And you have to know what are going to be specific conversations you've normally had with people when speaking over the internet, whether it be on a live chat, Facebook, or even email. And that's where it gets hard because you have to put in triggers or keywords or phrases that your potential customers or your current customers wouldn't use. Now, if you've been in business for a little bit, you can get an idea by looking at your previous work orders, um, looking at your emails, and really understanding what are the top key things people ask. Now, for me, I've already built a good process in my CRM system with Repair Shopper, where I have canned responses for every step of my process. So it's in a rendition of when someone emails me in asking for a quote, I kind of tell them in three pieces, here's what our process is, here's what it looks like as far as a range of what it's going to cost, and if you're interested, stop by our office, here are our hours, here are our directions. And it's a matter of clicking a button, it pops it in there, it's good to go. So it's translating that, which is a more of a manual slash somewhat of an automated process because I pre-did some of that work, and making it flow in a customer-centric conversation. And that's where it gets difficult. So um, that's yeah. what I've been doing so far. And it's not easy. All I can suggest is look up your resources, look up 
different ways other companies have used that process and really map it out, whether it's on a whiteboard, whether it's something digitally, map out how a conversation will go. Because if you prepare and take that time out to do that, you're going to notice that it's going to be a lot easier as you're implementing these pieces. And if you're getting into the realm of bots in any type of chat feature you have available. Yeah. uh, With the whole bot thing, you know, it's definitely um, in its infancy, but uh, the chat bot and we, we should specify that we're talking about chat bots, not like robots that walk sure. around and, and do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, <laughs> like, a, or a bot network to take over an actual Fix system, your dinner so. or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not that either. But yeah, the, the chat bots, I think, is, is something very new. And I can see something happening where it, it's like back in the day when they, when they started to have automated phone systems where you would call and you'd have a bunch of menus and you'd talk to a robot. I can see people... Will eventually uh, consumers will probably eventually start to push back on this once it gets you know integrated with everything, and they're like, why can't I just chat with a real person? And um, but and then so then it'll calm down a little bit, and then there will be certain aspects where you you know bots make sense, but you know you you definitely still want a real person in the process there. But I think right. this is great for you know solo techs and, and consultants and business owners like yourself who you know just don't have time to sit and and monitor a chat all day. And right. you know you're not to the point where you can have a full time person doing that for you either. And I think this is a great kind of compromise uh, way to you know have those live messages on uh, on your website or on Facebook or whatever, so you can field those questions from people, give them a response, um, and, and then you know maybe then follow up with them in person later on. Um, right. But yeah, I think just like you know uh, a phone you know messaging system, it's a great way to. Um, be able to take in new people through that that medium and help them out as much as you can without needing to be available for it. Right. And, and that's the biggest piece, right? Because I was looking for a solution. The reason why I'm still adamant of researching this is because every single time, like I have proven that I get a much more increase in perspective in perspective leads having the chat open than having it off. The problem is, is that since I travel probably a good 50 to 60% of my time, it's always when I'm driving. So if I'm on the highway, I can't necessarily pull over to go ahead and chat with this person. So it always ends up becoming an even worse lost opportunity because not only did I lose the opportunity because they, it was time taken to get back to them, but the fact that I have an automatic trigger that says, Hey, if we can help you message us and what ends up happening is no one helped them. So they just got a bad customer support or bad yep. customer service. And so that's even worse than just missing the opportunity. So that's why working on this and just having a, uh, um, having my particular spiel spit out at them. And then if they want to talk to someone, essentially their notice got emailed. We'll have a tech call you back or get back to you in a form that you want. So it's all cool. still in the discovery phase, but that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Cool. Yeah. Sounds, uh, Sounds exciting. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into that too. Um, it, during the free time that exists somewhere in Unicorn Land that <laughs> I haven't found yet, but uh, when I do have some free time, I, I'm gonna dig into the talk to uh, responses and stuff and, and see what I can set up for Tech Site Builder because that's really cool. There have been times where I've been like like you said, driving or doing something, and um, and then a chat came in and I wasn't able to respond right away, um, and then the person left, and I'm like, oh man, that that looks really bad. That I have a chat right. box box that pops up, but then I'm not available to answer anything. So, yep, cool. Um, so let's see what's going on with me. Um, 
I just had a had a thought I wanted to bring up as I was working with a client on a website recently. Uh, we're going through some of the different images that they want to use for their website. And um, the client uh, it, it was, has been focused more on making sure the image has a picture of the service that they're providing. Um, so this particular client is a bigger um, IT infrastructure company. And, uh, they want to make sure that the picture like shows a server room and it shows, you know, um, network cables and stuff for networking. And, and, um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to steer the client away from being so literal with the imagery on the website because, you know, the, there's plenty of opportunities to talk about the services you provide. Uh, and, um, and, you know, through the name of your business or through the headline or through, some other pictures you can you can talk about that, but a lot of the imagery um, I've, I'm finding it it works better if you focus on evoking um, a certain feeling or emotion instead. So instead of having a picture of a server room, have a picture of you know if you're trying to solve a pain, have a picture of a person you know frustrated. Um, if you're trying to solve an immediate pain, um, you can have you know images of of like a siren or kind of a red tinted red tint to the to the picture it doesn't have to be literal it could just be like the kind of the color uh of the image um or the emotion that the person in the image is feeling and that i found has uh better is more effective at getting someone to relate to what services you're offering and then follow through um the same thing can be said about just you know you want to put forward um a professional image or more of a friendly image you can do that by choosing the type of imagery you use on your website. So if you want to, you know, focus on B2B work and you want to, you know, um, get corporate clients, then you want to have, you know, pictures of, of people in suits or pictures of offices, um, or, you know, people in, in that type of setting. Uh, whereas if you're focusing on residential and I, I've seen this in, in some tech site builder uh, sites where, you know, someone's focused on residential clients, but they'll have picture of a guy in a suit and tie using a computer. Does that really speak to residential clients? Uh, probably not. Um, so I just, you know, just wanted to plant that seed as you're, you know, if you're putting together a website or even if you're putting together advertising, instead of, you know, looking for images that are literally the thing that you're doing, look for images that evoke whatever res- emotional response you want your clients to have. Whether that's you want them to feel calm, or you want them to feel like the, it, something is urgent, or you want them to feel it's professional, or you want them to feel it's friendly. Think about those feelings, and then look for images that evoke those types of feelings. One thing to add on that is, if you can get as many realistic images as possible, that's what you want to do. And by I mean realistic, as in your business, your face, the way that you're at. Um, the more that you can do with that, and obviously there's so many images you can take there's you know with timing equipment and what resources you have but as many of those as you possible that you can put on there you're going to evoke invoke that feeling of trust a lot more because it's not just clip art that's on there but if you're kind of in a position where you just don't have any of that then obviously as matt says you know focusing on invoking a feeling is the top goal when you're looking for these type of photos yeah, and even even if you're even if you are taking a picture of like your shop or yourself, this can can fall can follow through into that. So you, you know if if you want to have a professional 
uh, feeling, then you know, make sure you're taking a picture of yourself in professional clothing in a professional setting. If you want more of a friendly feeling, then um, there's there's some some clients of mine that that want to have that friendly vibe for residential clients. So they'll take a picture of them, you know, sitting behind their desk or talking with a with a residential client or in someone's home. Um, so that's something that you can still keep in mind. Uh, but yeah, I agree. That's definitely important is to have some pictures of, if you can, uh, some good high quality pictures of yourself, your shop, um, you actually doing the work or your technicians doing the work. Um, that, that goes a long way. Yeah, definitely to, um, to, to build that trust with people. And that's important. Cool. Um, Wanted to talk a little bit about the Facebook group. So the Computer Business Marketing Facebook group is uh, going well. Uh, got a lot of stuff going on there. You you can join it just by searching for Computer Business Marketing in Facebook, and uh, and then jump in there. Uh, request that we add you, and we'll get you in there. Uh, one topic that came up recently that I wanted to uh, talk about was um, someone posted about uh, and I. Someone posts, and this is always a hot topic: is Facebook stuff. <laughs> Facebook is the big, the big hot topic these days. Um, that's where everybody is, and so we want to figure out how we can use Facebook to get in front of everybody, because that's where everybody's spending their time, right? They're hanging out in Facebook. People, you see them on the train, you see them at work, you see them at the grocery store, you see them at home, scrolling through Facebook. So if we can leverage that somehow to get in front of our ideal clients, that's great. So people are always bouncing ideas back and forth in the Facebook group about Facebook itself and how they can use it. So someone brought up the, um, someone said that there's a button now that, that says promote local business um, on your page. Have you seen that, Paco? Do you know what that is? Yeah, so it's it's essentially a local version of attracting people to like your page. Okay. So it, what it does is it's just a different wording of it, but essentially if you click on it, it'll do like a mile radius or whatever it is. And promoting essentially is putting your page um, or website in front of them. But right. essentially it's just a localized version of buying Facebook likes is essentially what it is. Does it like show up in, in, in proximity searches or does it just show up in, in the feed? Do you, do you know? It, it's, not so much. Pro- I, I get it depends because right. So like proximity searches on Google, you know, you're searching for these businesses in a particular area or you're in that area. In Facebook, right. it's not so much. Yeah, people aren't searching a, a, on a map. Right. Facebook. It's, it's more yeah. if, if they're in that location. Now, right. Is it determined by where they live or where they work? That I don't know. Um, but I know that it is set up where if, if they reside or they're in that zip code depending on what parameter you put in there it will show up on the feed whatever advertisement of your business which is basically the facebook page that says like or learn more or whatever right. it is yeah so um so someone was asking about that and if it's um if it's worth it i guess you got to pay 10 bucks to to get that promoted um yeah you know it, it, yeah what do you think i, I <sighs> I used to be a po- uh, okay. So it, there, there was a time where everybody was like, "Yeah, you know, get as many likes as possible on Facebook, and that'll increase your reach, and etc." I'm not a fan of buying likes anymore, uh, and right. that's essentially what it is now. That's that's what it is. You're buying likes now. I, I haven't looked into the promoting local business as much as I used to, um, or as far as that particular feature. But what I can say is, if there's a way to modify it where it'll drive traffic to your website then that may make more sense because if you have the Facebook pixel installed on your website, 
then you can get more better demographic information of who's visiting your site and who's interested. So if you get an idea of who's visiting your site, you'll have better idea of who to target on Facebook. Yep. So that would probably yeah. be the only reason. And if that, if it's definitely cheaper than doing whatever other regular ad, then yeah, I'm all for it because you want to throw as much money. It, again, it, it depends. And I hate saying that because it's what another co-host says on another show, but um, it's one of those where it's at a double-edged sword. If you're in your business at, at to a point where you're trying to scale because you're in a comfortable position, you want to get data so you can know how to scale the business. If you are starting out with your business, that may not be the solution you want to take because you want to sp- you want to spend your money to get as much bang for your buck as possible. And although that's the long game, you need cash flow now. So you want to probably throw that into something that's going to generate more um, cash where it's going to be an actionable item on Facebook versus driving traffic to your location in hopes they're calling or in hopes that they're going to visit your site for that reason. Right. And, and so along those lines, someone left a comment on that thread talking about um, a successful boosted post that he did, um, which was just a video of him talking about his business and talking about, um, uh, you know, a special and it's nothing fancy. It's just him, you know, in front of some bushes, <laughs> you know, talking in a t-shirt talking um, and, and it's got a, a call to action. So it's got his phone number right there in the description of the video. It talks about, you know, in the description, it says, don't miss the end of the video. So it gets people to watch till the very end. Something like that, I think is super effective. And he said he got 10 jobs out of it, which I, you know, I think is, is super um, successful. He paid 40 bucks, got 10 jobs. That's incredible ROI. Oh, yeah. So that's that's something to to take a look at and and see if you can model something like that. You know, just throw up a video. Um, it, you know, keep it real if that's the vibe you're going for. Which goes back to what I said previously. If that's kind of the emotion you want to get across, and then you know that's what people are used to seeing on Facebook is videos of of people just you know in their natural environment, so to speak. Um, so if you're in the group, check out that video. That should give you some inspiration on some stuff you can try. Awesome, guys. So we're going to jump into the feature topic because I really want to um, talk to Richard here about um, outsourcing and all of that stuff. But really quick, before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to our first sponsor, and that is TechSite Builder. TechSite Builder is the place you can go to get more clients uh, through your website. So you can get an effective website, uh, and we host it for you, and we just give you the tools to build your website, or we can build it for you as well. Um, so, you know, if you're the type of person who likes to tinker around and, and play around with stuff, you have complete control over all those aspects on your website. But if you're the person who, and like we're going to talk about later, if you just want to hand it off to someone else and say, Hey, get this done for me. You're the expert. Uh, we'll do that as well for you. Um, and, uh, you know, I've worked hard to make sure that the tech site builder platform performs well for my clients. So it's fast, it's secure. And it converts visitors into uh, clients, which is what you're looking for. So you can uh, build landing pages for your Facebook ads. Um, you can also, the homepage of your Tech Site Builder uh, website will have a contact form right there. So people can reach out to you right from your homepage. Uh, your phone number, your address, everything you want people to see is prominently featured on every page of your Tech Site Builder website. And right now, um, if you're catching this live or if you listen to the podcast uh, in the next couple of days, we're running a special uh, summer sale for today and tomorrow only. 
So I think actually, if you're listening to this, you're not going to be able to take advantage of this. It's only the people who are watching live. Another reason to 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 tune in live. Um, but uh, right now, for the next two days, uh, you can get thirty percent off either the uh, monthly or the annual plan for TechSite Builder. Uh, to take advantage of that, go to techsitebuilder.com/summer, and uh, and that's the only place you can go to take advantage of this sale. And it will be done tomorrow at midnight. So uh, take advantage of that uh, while strike while the iron's hot. And if you've been on the fence about TechSite Builder, hopefully this will be the uh, the thing that will get you to to try it out. So again, check out that uh, s- uh, special at techsitebuilder.com slash summer. All right. So um, waiting patiently over here in the other box in the video is, uh, or I, I'm not sure where, where, you, where to point because I'm not sure where you're going to show up in the final video. Um, but uh, we have Richard Tubb. He is, uh, he's probably the most well-known face within the British IT MSP community. He's, uh, he launched and sold his own MSP business before creating and leading a leading MSP blog and consultancy practice. He's a former owner of a successful MSP business, and now he helps other IT business owners overcome challenges that they face every day. He's written a book. It's called The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide, and he's also got his award-winning blog over at tubblog.co.uk, and that's aimed at putting IT consultants back in control. Um, And you can also find him at Twitter at tubblog. Welcome, Richard. Thank you for having me, and good evening from uh, Newcastle in the northeast of the UK. Excellent, excellent. I see uh, when we when we got started a little bit earlier that your background was very bright, and now it's very dim. So I can see the the sun's going down, and oh and yeah, you're, this you're, is you're, this is this is live. <laughs> yes, yes, you're settling down for the evening. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking some time out of your evening to join us. Um, so before we uh, dive into the feature topic, why don't you just give folks a little idea of, of your background? Um, you know, you, you, you owned your own MSP for a while and you sold that. And, and so kind of walk folks through a little bit of your background before we get started here. Sure, Matt. Well, my background is one, let's be perfectly blunt, of a geek. I'm a technologist. I love playing with technology. I love working with technology and I've worked in the IT industry all my career. Um, I started out as a one-man band IT technician, uh, fixing PCs, crawling under desks, doing that sort of thing um, in the early 2000s. And um, uh, basically, there was a real turning point for me. I think it was around 2004. I read a book called The E-Myth Revisited by uh, Michael Gerber, a very famous book. And uh, suddenly the penny dropped for me that I wanted to, instead of owning a job, I wanted to own a business. So I started to build the business up from there, um, became uh, rapidly quite successful with it, really. And all the way during that time I was building the business up, I was speaking uh, user groups and community groups, writing a blog about all the challenges that I was experiencing, you know, growing this IT business, this managed service provider. Um, In 2010, I decided to sell the business and, and move on. And um, quite without planning it, all of that speaking that I'd done, talking about all the issues that I'd experienced, um, uh, suddenly when I had some free time on my hands, um, other IT business owners started turning around to me and saying, hey, Rick, um, we notice you're no longer a competitor. Would you come in and share some of the secret sauce with us, Uh, some of the things Mm. that you've been talking about? Um, I'd love to say I planned my career that way. Uh, I'm not... (laughs) It wasn't a smart enough move for that. It just happened by chance. But what I do on a day-to-day basis now is is really help IT businesses with their growth plans. I help them to um, overcome challenges and um, fundamentally to avoid the many, many, many mistakes that I made when I owned an <laughs> IT business as well. 
Yes, uh, mistakes are plentiful, and and I, I I think that's just part of owning a business is you're going to make mistakes. It's what you do with those mistakes that uh, that really kind of sets you apart. Are you going to you know learn and grow from them, or are you going to you know? And, and the other approach is to just be so cautious with everything that you don't make mistakes, and that's the wrong way to do it too because you want to just keep trying and keep pushing. Um, but it's great to have a mentor or um, you know someone that you can turn to who has been through it all. And who's made those mistakes and can kind of point you in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I know for me, especially like when I was a kid, you know, my mom would tell me what I was supposed to do. And then I would do the opposite just to <laughs> see what would happen. <laughs> and then, then I'd realize, you know, she, I probably should have listened to her in the first place. Um, and, and, you know, that's the same with business advice. You hear all this advice from folks and then you're like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll just go off and, and, and try my <laughs> own thing. I made that mistake quite a few times. And now I realize that these folks who, who have been through this stuff, you know, they're saying these things for a reason and that's because it, they've, they've seen firsthand what happens and, and they've corrected and, and then they've, you know, they, they have that wisdom uh, behind them. So um, definitely love what you're doing for the industry. And, and we, we need folks like you to, to help steer the ship of, of those of us who are just getting started or those of us who are looking to kind of go to the next level. So uh, we want to talk uh, today about outsourcing, delegation, um, and specifically around how it can help with with marketing efforts, but also just in general, because it's it's a it's a thing that um, lots of folks are going to have to deal with if they haven't already dealt with it, dealt with it. Um, so uh, if you want to just kind of share your thoughts about um, how to uh, how outsourcing or um, you know, finding some help with your business can help with uh, the marketing aspects. How can how can we use that and leverage that to help with with marketing and IT business? Sure. Well, well I think fundamentally, um, when I speak to IT business owners, managed service provider owners here in the UK and worldwide, um, the number one thing that they say they should be doing that they aren't doing is marketing. And I'll do that when I find the time for it, and the time mm-hmm. never comes because the phone's ringing and you've got clients, and you know, um, uh, you know, the half life of um, knowledge and information in the IT industry is so short. You know, it's probably about eighteen months, isn't it? We've got to continuously be learning. So, as computer business owners, as IT business owners, there's all these things that we should be, what we have to do, and then there's things that we should be doing, the importance and the urgent, and we never seem to get around to the marketing. So right. one of the areas that I um, work with, uh, the IT businesses that, uh, that I work with on a day-to-day basis, is helping them understand that you don't need to just outsource and delegate the things that you should be doing. You can actually outsource or delegate some of the other things that you're currently doing that free up your time to do the marketing and to do the stuff that, that you know is really important as well. So I think today it, it might be worthwhile if we talk about both angles, if we talk about Certainly, you can outsource marketing and, and, and have a look at how you can get help with that. And it's interesting, Paco, I heard you talking about bots um, earlier on. That's something that's fascinated me. And I, I was chatting to a local company um, here in Newcastle upon Time called Chat Heroes, who have the chat box on the, on the, uh, on the website, uh, but they use humans uh, to do it because mm. they've already um, experienced that people are giving the pushback. Um, against the automation. Uh, and so perhaps um, we, it'd be worthwhile talking a little bit about why I favor using humans over uh, over uh, automation wherever, um, uh, not wherever possible, but where it's applicable in those situations. But uh, outsourcing and delegation, it's, it's a huge area. It's one that I'm surprised more IT businesses don't undertake. 
we are, at the end of the day, asking our clients to outsource and delegate their IT, their mm, part of their business to us. Yes. And yet lots of us are sort of concerned about outsourcing and delegating parts of our own business. So um, I'd love to yeah. challenge that preconception. Yeah, so um, so what are some, some areas that... Um, you f- you see are most commonly outsourced in 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 small you know IT businesses solo consultants or, or smaller shops yeah. something that's because because I think one of the uh, the the biggest hurdles to outsourcing is that people just don't want to give up control and they're yeah. afraid that if they they give give control to some aspect of their business to another business or another person that it's not going to be them anymore it's going to be some other thing and yeah. then they're going to lose their identity or their customers are going to revolt so what what are some approaches you've seen to choosing what's best to outsource and and how to kind of alleviate that that um that concern well, well let, let's tackle that first of all where we talk about the the idea the assumption that we can't give up control within the business so I used to run a managed service provider business with employees, but if I talk about what I do now, um, the business is Tubblog. It's all about Richard Tubb. I'm egotistical enough to uh, <laughs> put my name on the brand there. Um, it's me. It's one person, except it's not. I've got a team of virtual assistants around me who help things uh, ticking over. So I think I'm a really good example. You know, um, people pay money uh, to me for me, for my expertise, for my time, um, but I don't do everything within the business because I surround myself with people and who are not just as good at, but better than me, Matt, at doing some mm, of the things that yes. I need to do, such as email marketing. Judith on my team is, is, is super hot at that. Holly, my PA, um, uh, can get things organized in way quicker time than I ever could. Um, Ross, who does podcasting and uh, video editing for me, is so good at that. You know, I, you know, I could spend all day trying to edit a, a podcast or a video and Ross can just do it really quickly. So it's not just about freeing up your time. You can actually uh, get people on board who are not full-time employees, um, who you can pay for their time and expertise. They're going to be better at you at doing some of the things that need to be done within your business. So I want to throw that out there straight up front. If I can do it as the the quintessential one-man band in my current business, and granted I'm not a computer technician or an IT technician anymore, but I still work within the IT industry, I think it's applicable to anyone. So for anybody maybe listening who's thinking, eh, it ain't for me, I can't do that, um, I'd, I'd ask you to sort of go in with an open mind. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I can attest to that because uh, one of the best things I did for my business was to start using a, a bringing on a virtual assistant. Um, and uh, I'll give a shout out to Madison. Uh, she helps with everything in TechSite Builder for this podcast. She'll um, she she's the one who edits the videos. Um, and that was just like a surprise. Like I brought her on to do customer service for TechSite Builder, and lo and behold, she she's pretty good, pretty handy at editing videos. So she edits the the podcast video. She'll send out the emails to the podcast guests. Richard, you you probably got an email from her uh, yeah. before the the show here. Um, and that's just not only did it free up my time, not only does she do do this stuff better, but she'll actually. Um, She'll she'll find things that be, can be improved with the way I used to do it. So it's it's just helped not only free up my time, but it's helped improve all of those things that I was doing, and uh, and it's helped me to keep the show going 
keep it, uh, turn it into a video podcast, have it happen weekly like it does now. And none of that would have been possible without outsourcing to Madison. And uh, shout out to Bojan over in uh, Eastern Europe. He is the uh, audio editor and he does, you know, I used to edit the the podcast audio as well. And that would take me an hour at least. And he knocks it out in 30 minutes or less. And, and it's out there. And he tells me when the audio, when I have audio issues and I've, I've had to swap out my audio interface uh, to to um, fix some audio issues, and I never would have picked up on that if I didn't use a professional. So I can attest to the um, the how outsourcing certain things can can just take your the stuff you're producing to the next level. Yeah, and and it's not just a case of it's freeing up your time, uh, Matt. As you said, you know what would take you an hour, um, your your guy can do in uh, sort of thirty minutes, and probably dare I say, um, if your ego can take it to a much higher standard as well. Um, but that time that's freed up of yours, what can you go and earn with that? What can you do? You can either invest that time back into the business or perhaps you could earn double um, you know, uh, uh, what you would do before by going out and um, um, doing some work for a client. So it's not this using virtual assistance, outsourcing, delegating is not just a cost to your business. It can be a net gain for your business. You can actually turn a profit from doing it as well. For sure. Yeah. So, so what are some of the um, the the best things that you can outsource, or how how do you how do you identify some good things that are that can be outsourced in your business? Yeah, I, I think there's there's dozens of things we could sit here all night and talk about it, but let me pick <laughs> one that I think will resonate with everybody uh, straight away, and that's um, this wonderful device here, which keeps us in touch with everybody on the planet, but also allows our clients to keep in touch with us whenever they choose to. Um, I know I'm not alone in, um, you know, uh, sitting there working um, on a problem uh, really deeply and then the phone will ring and um, another client will call my cell phone, my mobile phone, and they'll start wanting to talk to me. And I've got two choices. I can either divert my attention away from where I am and answer the call, or I can send it to voicemail and the client probably gets a little bit irritated um, because you know they're not getting through to a human being. So the real low-hanging fruit, people don't think about this, but um, even when I was running a, an IT business with employees, um, we needed to have team meetings and things like that where we wanted all our attention um, away from the telephones. So a call answering service is a form of virtual assistance. It's a form of delegation. Um, you can use a call answering service um, to uh, pick up calls when you're busy. You could use a call answering service when you're in meetings, when you're doing business development. Um, I regularly used to use a call answering service even as a one-man band. When I put time in my diary to work on marketing, you know that stuff that you say, I'll work on marketing and then the phone rings and you get distracted from it. Making it an appointment with yourself, um, you know, is really important to, to get the time there. And a call answering service can be somebody who answers the phone in the tone of your company, in a professional manner, and above all else, they set the expectation of the person at the other end. They can say, hey, Matt's not available at the moment, but he should be back online within an hour. Is it very urgent? Should I disturb him, or do you want me to, um, or should I pass a message on? And most people in my experience, even though they would prefer to get directly through to you as the individual they were calling, if the person they're speaking to sets their expectations all is good, and uh, most people are happy with that. So uh, a call answering service would be the, the very first thing that I think most of us with computer businesses, IT businesses of any size could really benefit from using. Yeah, to add on that, um, I've gone through exactly like what you mentioned. And for those, you can go into our archives of YFNCG 
there is actually a blog post that talks about what are the top things to ask specifically on trying to get an answering service. And what I've learned over the last four years that I have employed an answering service, being that I'm uh, technically a one-man army, but I do have other people with me, is when you mark yourself as the face of the business, you want that baby to thrive as much as possible. The biggest piece you have to understand is that any extension that you outsource will not be 100% and won't care as much as you do. So a good rule of thumb, at least that what I was told and what I adopt is as long as they can get 70% of what you need them to do, that's probably a good percentage to gauge their thing to do. Um, I have had several answering services that have really, really goofed up, but it's very rare on when they did the goof up. So it's not, and it's nothing nuclear where I got to cancel and I got to move over to a new service because they're not in in line with my same ideas of what I want to do to treat the customers. It's one of those where you have to really think about how you're going to do this outsourcing and understand that it's not going to be a true extension of yourself, but in a way to alleviate a lot of the things. And if you mark on that 70% rule, you'll be okay. But I do talk about that in a little bit more detail in that blog post that I mentioned that we'll have in the show notes on what to ask when outsourcing to an answering service. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's a, a problem that um, that folks run into when they first start outsourcing is that they expect the uh, the person or the company they're outsourcing to to magically know what how their business runs and what they expect of them and the the operating procedures you use and and the stuff that's going on in your business and um, you know there's there's a lot there's a lot of work you got to do up front to put together procedures to put together an SOP to have, you know, the, 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 the things that you'll need to train those people that you bring on board, um, how to do. That's something I learned with Madison was that, you know, um, she's great at what she does, but the way I do things are very specific to my business. And so I had to put together a lot of procedures and processes for her to follow so that I can like kind of almost clone myself, the things that I did and, and put them into some order and some, some process, take that and then give it to her. So I'm almost cloning myself, the things that I did so that she can do them like I did them. And that's kind of a way to hopefully instill, you know, how your business runs to the person you're outsourcing to, Another thing I wanted to say was um, that uh, when I just lost, I just lost my train of thought. Um, I'll get back to it. Um, so, kind of going into the whole deal of us talking about outsourcing and and understanding, Richard, what would you say is probably the biggest way to kind of systemize this so you can outsource. So, I mean, there's so many ways of, you know, writing a Word document, using project management software. What have you found as being the easiest to kind of document or just put these processes? And the second piece to that is what's the easiest to translate to over to that outsourcing partner company or service to help alleviate you in that part? That's a fantastic question, Paco. I think, um, first of all, I'll answer that by saying, don't let the tool that you use to record the processes or the uh, the checklist, the documentation, get in the way of you actually doing the work and getting on documenting it. You know, so many of us, uh, especially those of us from a technical bent who are um, fascinated by tech and, uh, and gadgets, we could spend all day looking around for the perfect method of keeping documentation. Look, a pen and paper 
works just fine. You know, grab a pen and paper, scribble down what needs to do. The important thing here is to get stuff out of your head, as Matt was saying earlier, to sort of clone that, get that knowledge out and putting it down somewhere. So there's no excuse for anybody, you know, to spend days and days researching the tool, um, uh, just get it down on paper. With that said, um, uh, once you start progressing, once you start getting that, those processes and documentation in place, um, for the managed service providers or the, the IT companies on the line, um, there's a tool that um, I, my clients have been using for a while called IT Glue, um, which is a technology tool. And actually, if I can give um, a real cheap plug here, I've got a webinar going with them in a, um, it's next Thursday um, here in the UK, where we're talking specifically about uh, documentation and how important it is um, for working with um, remote workers. So there's, there's my cheap plug for, the, um, uh, for, for our session. Uh, but I'll, I'll grab that uh, link from yeah. you and put it in the show notes. So you guys, if you want to check you. that out, um, head over to the show notes and, and you, can, uh, you can jump on that webinar next week. Yeah. But IT Glue, um, you know, not, not to, to sit and plug their product, but a lot of my clients use it because it's built by an IT company. Um, and so the templates and things that, that go into it are really important to them. But at the end of the day, within my business, uh, because it's not strictly an IT business, um, I use a tool called manifest.ly, um, which is a checklist a process tool. Um, but anything really where a pen and paper is good enough, just start getting stuff down out of your head and onto paper. When I first was running the IT company and documenting some of these things, um, it was a Word document. Um, and I just had a Word document, you know, with IP addresses, usernames, passwords. I was high in security, as we all were back in the 2000s. Um, I just put everything <laughs> down into a Word document there. Um, but it worked. Um, um, and whatever information was in there, if I needed to take time off the holiday, sickness, uh, whatever, when I was working with other people to cover or when I was bringing employees on, they weren't constantly tapping me on the shoulder and saying, Hey, where does what's the IP address of that server, and how do I remote into it, and what's the username, what's the password? The information was there, so basically, I could hand anybody who was competent, you know, um, this pad of information, and they'd be able to get on with the job. That's still true today. So we've got tools like IT Glue, we've got tools like Manifestly that enable us to uh, to do all this in uh, you know in a much more slick manner. But the bottom line is, you need to get stuff out of your head down onto paper whether you're taking on employees, whether you're outsourcing, whether you're delegating, that's a key part of any uh, growing IT business or any business, really. Right, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, and that, that's helped me a lot as well, is to just get it out of my head because it does nobody any good if it stays in your head. <laughs> yeah. People aren't mind readers. Um, and, and if I can so, throw something in there, Matthew, just on a, yep. on a personal level, for, forgive me for interrupting, because I often used to say to people, well, you should do this, and they go, ah, I'll wait until tomorrow. And I used to say, well, what happens if you get knocked over? Um, and they used to go, it'll never happen. So just to, to throw a personal story in, last year I spent a lot of time in hospital because I was knocked over in a hit and run accident. Oh. And it wasn't a lot of fun, but it happens. And I thought it would never happen. But thankfully, right. my business as it is now is documented, is systemized. I've got a team of virtual assistants around me. And to the outside world, um, you know, things just kept ticking over. The blog post still kept going out of there and the work was going on, uh, going over. Uh, it, it does happen to us. So however young, old, anywhere in between, if you think it's not going to happen to you, life gets in the way. Life happens. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And, and 
Um, so we're, we're getting to the end of our time here, but one, one last thing I wanted to ask you was, um, so if we're, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the virtual assistant. I think it's great to have someone, um, and you can have a part-time, you know, someone who just works for you a few hours a day or a, even a handful of hours a week just to help you get organized, to help you kind of, again, get those thoughts out of your head and then put them into a procedure or answer emails or answer phones. Um, what in your opinion is a good place to go finding virtual assistants because it's this big yeah. you know magic word and they're not just going to fall out of the sky you got to go and find them somewhere so what are, what are some of your favorite places to find them sure well the, the the favorite place to to find them would be locally so if you go to a local business networking event or you ask other local business owners hey i'm looking to bring somebody on board to do some of this work um, it's not a full-time position it's not an employee gig but do you know anybody can do that Go to local networking events, and, and it's a really good idea anyway for, for any computer business because you're going right. to meet prospective clients yep. getting out there. Yeah, we, we shouldn't um, overlook the fact that in some of the um, developing economies in the world, they have uh, people who deliver high, high-quality work um, for prices that by our standards um, are very low. Um, you know, so I've had transcriptions done um, in the Philippines, um, uh, 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 research and marketing work done out of the Philippines and in India and places like that. So um, don't overlook that. And um, a, a book recommendation to, to anybody who's thinking about outsourcing or delegating to other parts of the world would be um, a book called Virtual Freedom uh, by an author called Chris Ducker. Um, you can find Chris Ducker on Twitter as well. And um, great book and it will just teach you about what to look for when you're looking for a virtual admin in another part of the world but when i talk about virtual admins it's not just outsourcing to the other side of the world it's you know it can be somebody just down the road my team are all uk based um and that's the choice that i made there i pay a little bit more for the privilege there um but sure. you know they deliver high quality service um but ask around is probably the best place to start. You'll be surprised how many people out there are able to help you with your issues. Awesome, great stuff. So I, I think this will be a good foundation for folks to who are who are still thinking about it to um, get started. You know, delegating and outsourcing some of this stuff so they can free your time up to do more marketing or to do other things in your business and grow your business, take it to the next level. Like you said, two x, ten x, whatever x <laughs> your business. Um, uh, before we let you go, uh, just talk a little bit about your book, The IT Business Owner Survival Guide. What, what's in that and, and what can that do for folks who, who are interested oh, in checking you. that out? Yeah, so the book was put together basically from uh, the number of conversations I had with um, uh, IT business owners, specifically smaller shops, one-man bands, you know, um, five employees and less, where they're not taking a holiday in years. They were working all the hours um, but not getting the rewards for it, um, you know, and all the problems that go along with that health relationship, everything else that goes with working long hours and not looking after yourself. So the book is basically some practical, actionable techniques that I myself used to survive when I was running an IT business and that can help just um, put your head above water um, and start to gain control of the business. You know, I talked earlier on about the idea of um, wanting to own a business rather than own a job. Um, and that is essentially where the book goes. It talks about techniques. Um, if you haven't got time to do marketing, how can you how can you make the time for it? Um, if you're constantly being bombarded with email, how can you deal with that? Um, it's really survival techniques, but once these simple techniques are put in place, it gives you the the freedom and the time to concentrate on what's important and to grow your business and get it where you really want the business to be. 
Awesome. And that's, that's why we're here. That's what it's all about is, is taking the business to the next level, being successful. Appreciate your insights today. Um, folks can find you at tubblog.co.uk uh, and we'll have links to everything we talked about, the book, um, the blog, the, uh, the books, that, the, some of the other books that we recommended and some of the services we recommended uh, will all be in the show notes. You can find that at computerbusinessmarketing.com and then look for uh, episode 14. And uh, all of the info will be there. So thanks again, Richard. This has been a lot of fun chatting with you. And uh, we'll stay in touch, all right? Absolutely. I'm a big fan of both of what you're doing there. So please uh, um, keep it up. I really appreciate what you're doing for the whole IT community. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much. So we're going to move on with the show with the marketing tip of the week. But before we do that, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to our second sponsor, which is The Unconvention. The Unconvention is the place to be if you are a computer business owner Basically, if you're listening listening to this show, you should be coming to the Unconvention. It is uh, the event of the year for IT business owners. It's going to be taking place in Washington, D.C. on September 16th and 17th. It's sponsored by uh, Malwarebytes as well as uh, put together by Instant House Call and yours truly at TechSite Builder. And we're really excited to uh, have the second annual DC Unconvention in, or the second annual Unconvention in Washington, DC. Uh, we're, you know, finishing up all the, fin- we're getting ready with all the finishing touches for the conference. We're getting, uh, the food vendors. We're going to have a lot of cool local food vendors that are going to be serving breakfast and lunch on both days. But what I'm really excited about is the, uh, the group sessions that we're going to have. And that's kind of what the unconvention is built around is getting IT business owners together in the same space to network and talk about what's working in your business and ask questions of other IT business owners to see what's working in their business. And it's really just a collaborative get together. Um, we have what we're calling working groups. We'll have labs so you can see demonstrations of different technology and the labs are going to be kind of cool because it's not like um, a typical uh, tech lab where you see someone, you know, sitting there showing you, um, you know, behind the scenes of a product and then you're just sitting there watching it. It's going to be very interactive. Um, and we're going to show you not only technology like networking um, and uh, like Mike Smith from the Mike Tech Show is going to walk you through all of the tools that he uses in his business. But we're also going to talk about other skills like SEO, for example. I'm, I'm going to do the lab on SEO and I'm going to show you the different uh, tools that I use to monitor SEO and how I can spy on my competitors to see what they're doing for their SEO and um, all the different things that I use um, for my website SEO. Uh, we also have labs on compliance so you can learn more about HIPAA, FINRA, PCI and how you can leverage those to uh, grow your business uh, and a bunch of other stuff. So. Check it out at uh, unconvention.io. Paco's going to be there. So it's a chance for you to meet Paco because you're not going to be seeing him anymore on the show. Um, so Paco, I'll put you on the spot really quick. What are you looking forward to the most uh, at the unconvention? The people, Matt. Um, essentially, I've always found that with these type of intimate settings are always the best. And, and it's that's with any uh, conference, but specifically the unconvention um, going to Toronto last year. Um, I found a lot of great value just speaking with my peers one-on-one. And that's normally when you get a lot of the ideas, the solutions, and a lot of the growth that you have when going to these type of things. Um, and what we've done is we obviously designed this unconvention 
to be able to really maximize that potential to receive. And now that it's in the states and in the uh, nation's capital, it makes it even more of a reason why those to really come out, experience the scenery, and really talk to one another. Because I think that's where you're going to get the biggest value. And that's what I'm looking forward to when we go on September 16th and 17th. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just hanging out with like-minded folks and networking. We're going to, we had a lot of fun last year at the unconvention and we all hung out afterwards and we had a beer at the, at a local restaurant, um, after the actual, you know, convention was over. Um, so it's, it's a great opportunity to just hang out and have fun. So check that out at unconvention.io. When you, when you purchase your tickets, use the coupon code TSB and that'll give you $40 off your, uh, admission to the unconvention. So we'll see you in September in Washington, DC. All right. Uh, before we go, I want to uh, talk about our tip of the week, and that is brought brought to you one final time by our very own Paco LeBron. What do you got for us? Yep. So one thing that I've been looking into, and what's something that is very overlooked, is testing the speed of your website. Now, there's a lot of times where um, those that are implementing a lot of scripts, a lot of other uh, third party services, a lot of third party plugins. There are things where sometimes if they're not patched properly or just the fact that how they were designed tend to take a big lag on your site's performance. And it's one of those where Google really does take a look at the site speeds and really understanding what's on that uh, website. And we're not just talking about desktop, but we're talking about the responsiveness of your website, especially for mobile. And for those that know, Google made that change where mobile sites are going to get a, those with a responsive design are going to get a much bigger uh, umph or a big impact for their search results. So it's something to always take a look at. There are many site um websites to kind of monitor that if you're hosting or you're doing a third party or you can always go with tech site builder we'll go ahead and take care of that for you and that's one of the main reasons why um it's at they advertise on you know we make they make sure everything's secure and i'm a tech site builder user where everything is secure everything is uh kept up to date but the biggest piece is they do what they can to optimize your site and when everyone hears optimize, they're thinking, oh, it's a fancy word. Great. They got it optimized. They never really put the context of it. And speed is one of those things where Matthew and his team are really making sure that that hosting platform and your site is going to be at the biggest speed. But obviously, that is only to a degree, because if you're entering your own scripts um, on the back end of any type of platform, you really got to make sure that they're not taking a big hit to your site speed. And that's something to make sure to uh, to monitor and that's the tip for the week. Cool. And there are a few places you can go to to test your site speed. The 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 the, the two that I recommend, one's called GT Metrics, gtmetrics.com, uh, and the other one is called webpagetest.org, and I'll put the links to those in the show notes. Um, but those it's good to get two at least two different speed tests because they each find different things and they'll each right. give you a different score. One can give you a horrible score, another one can give you a great score because they're focusing on different things. Um, so if you're a tech site builder user, test your site. If you see any issues, send them over to support and we'll take care of it. Um, other, otherwise, if you're running your own website, um, these sites will give you like step by step what you can do to, you know, fix the speed issues. And then either you can fix it or you can send it to your, your web developer or whoever to fix it. Um, but yeah, that's definitely an important thing that, that we want to pay attention to. 
Cool. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Let's keep the conversation going. Head over to computerbusinessmarketing.com. Let us know what you think about the show in the show notes, in the comments there, or uh, head over to the Facebook page and in the uh, the comments under the video. Let us know what you think. Uh, we appreciate all the feedback you give us. You can also send us questions uh, to the email at mail at techsitebuilder.com. Or just visit computerbusinessmarketing.com. We have a contact form there you can fill out to let us know what you're thinking. Yep. And if you guys listen to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, be sure to give us a shout out and leave a review. We love to hear your feedback and every comment helps so that the podcast can be found by others out there. And I'll take this moment to kind of sign off in a way per se. Um, I want to basically thank all the listeners over the years on the Computer Business Podcast and on the Computer Business Marketing Show. Uh, a lot of you have shown a lot of great support. I really appreciate the insight, um, and I really appreciate those that reached out to send their farewells, um, those that had seeked insight over the years. I appreciate every one of you, and I also appreciate Matthew Rodella for allowing me the opportunity to be able to say and speak on the views that I have in our industry. And I can't repay him for the opportunity of being able to do that and help all those out there as much value as I received from his resources, his books, and him on the podcast. I'm very thankful that I can do the same in the tenure that I had here on the show. Well, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been my pleasure to have you. And you've, you've done nothing but increase the value of the show. So we're definitely going to miss you. Don't be a stranger. Uh, we'll definitely be in touch and maybe bring you back on to be a guest uh, in the future every now and then. Um, so, you know, definitely um, thank you. Uh, and for the rest of you guys, uh, we'll be back. Oh, I'll be back next week <laughs> for another edition of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, unconvention.io and techsitebuilder.com. Thank you for checking out the Computer Business Marketing Show. This is Matthew Rodella. And this is Paco LeBron saying here's to your success. Mm-hmm.